It's the Afternoon Underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now, here's Tony Vanetti and Dave Jennings. Well, if uh, 2020 wasn't worse enough, we'll add one more to the pile before we get to the end of the year. And such disappointing news earlier this afternoon, we found out that Paul Vernon Horning, born December 23rd, 1935, the golden boy has passed away. So we'll talk about it today. Welcome into the Afternoon Dogs. I am Tony Vanetti. I got Dave Jennings out. Uh, he'll be back on Monday. Uh, and we are delivered by Papa John's. Check out papajohns.com uh, and, and order up that uh, pizza, the double cheeseburger pizza and the papadilla. Either one, they've got six or seven papadillas ready to go. Any of them will do well. Uh, and it's hard to finish. If you're single, it's hard to finish both pieces of that of that papadilla. So definitely order up and have fun tonight. Um, it looks like the sun is going to shine for a little bit longer for the afternoon. So again, Paul Horning has passed away. He was born in Louisville, Kentucky, December 23rd, 1935. He has one of the more stellar um, careers in football history, no matter what level you are on. The golden boy, Flage, Notre Dame, the Packers, Heisman Trophy, the whole, the whole bit. Most valuable player, NFL. Uh, scored more points than anybody in NCAA history for the longest time. Uh, and I started to think about who could we bring in to uh, get to talk about Paul Horning and his impact on this community and impact on football in general uh, is Carl Schmidt from Louisville Sports Commission. Carl, how are you, sir? Well, I'm good. Tony, you know, it's a little bit of a bittersweet day, but it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can celebrate uh, a life of well-lived, which is what we've been doing all day today with Paul. Um, Paul, let, let's start. For people that, look, you and I are very well-versed with Paul Horning. I've interviewed him dozens of times throughout my 30-year career. He was always uh, gracious in a great interview. Uh, and those, the other times that I would run into him, it would be at, uh, it would be during the week at Churchill Downs back 20, 30 years ago, uh, right. in the old days, you know, we, we, I'd see him there, you know, it'd be 10 people at Churchill Downs during a week, uh, fall meet or spring meet. You look over and there's, there's Paul, uh, with a drink in his hand and betting in the middle of the day. And it was just great to see the golden boy. Uh, but his impact on football, well, let's start with flagate for people that don't understand uh, Paul Horning and Flagey. Explain that to folks that don't don't get that. Yeah, so Flagey was an all-Catholic boys' high school in the West End of Louisville, taught by the same religious order that, that has St. X, the Zavarian Brothers, and, and uh, started in, in the late 40s, right after World War II in the West End, when there was a lot of middle-class white people in the West End, a lot of Catholic parishes in the West End, and, and, and Flagey was integrated from day one, both white and black. Uh, students went there, and, and so uh, the joke used to be that's where Saint X sent all their renegades was to the, you know, the Flagey. So, <laughs> so it was a it was a school started after the war, gained athletic prominence very quickly, and uh, Horning, who grew up in the Portland neighborhood, uh, uh, which w- we always thought of when I was growing up in the West End as part of the West End, but that was a Portland neighborhood all, near Portland Canal, and Paul grew up in a in a single. Uh, parent household, his mother brought him up, and he very early was just an outstanding athlete, football, basketball, baseball. He could play all three. And he went to Flagey, and he was on the same high school team with uh, Howard Schnellenberger, who was one year ahead of him. 
and Horning was very good in all three sports, but clearly football was his, his best sport, and he was very highly recruited. Um, but he came out of, of Flaise as, as a big star on his way to University of Kentucky to play for Bear Bryant, and Paul was Catholic, his mother was Catholic, and Paul's best friend, a guy named Cheryl Sipes, who also played on that team, Paul's mother and Cheryl convinced him to go to Notre Dame, and, and you know, as Paul said to me one time, that worked out pretty well for me. So, yeah, but he was a West Ender, Portland guy, Louisville guy, always lived in Louisville, uh, big star that, that came from here and then, and then went on to Notre Dame. Um, d- describe, for people that never got to see him play in either high school or at Notre Dame, we'll go to the Packers here in a bit, for people that didn't get to see Paul Horning play in high school or in college, what type of player was he? Uh, what time of runner was he? Um, was he a – now, he was a big guy for, for that time frame for a running back. Is that accurate? He, he was. Now, he, he played mostly quarterback coming up through the ranks. Uh, okay. And, and when we get to Green Bay, we'll talk about the transition from quarterback to, to halfback. But he, he was a big guy. In fact, the, you know, almost six foot five. When he played in Green Bay, he was almost 220 pounds, and he was fast. I mean, he was, uh, he was you know, in the 10-second-plus uh, category for 100-yard dash back in the day before it's 100 meters. Big, fast, and, um, and, and rough. I mean, you know, Paul was just he, – he, he was a great blocker later in his career. So he's a tough guy. He would hit you, and he would hit you hard. He said to me one time he thought his best position on the football field was actually as, as a safety because he had a lot of range, <laughs> long, right. long arms. He could cover a lot of ground. You know, had a good good nose for the game of football. But yeah, he was a big guy and uh, fast and uh, could throw the ball. So he was a quarterback coming up. People around here would have seen him as a quarterback and then a quarterback at Notre Dame. What What was his impact on local sports? As in, when he came through and then went to Notre Dame and had that success for Flaget, Sanex, um, and the, and Manuel that was so good at that time, what was the impact locally for, for high school and college football for Paul Horning to have that success? Yeah, well, back in the day, it was Flaget, Sanex, Mail, and Manuel, right? And, and those were the big right. four. Now, there, was, there were other schools, and there were other schools that had good players, but those are really the ones that had the great players. And I, and I think it just, you know, it was something for people locally to aspire to, you know, if a guy from here can come and, and, and play in college and, and do well. And there were a lot of football players from the Louisville area have gone on to, to play college football and several have gone to Notre Dame. In fact, Paul Horning and Cheryl Sipes, high school teammates, best friends, went to Notre Dame together. They are still the answer, the only answer to the trivia question. The only two players from the same high school to start in the Notre Dame backfield at the same time. Wow. And that was Paul Horning and Cheryl Sites. And that would have been the season of 56, 50, 54 when they were sophomores. Cheryl was a halfback. Paul was the quarterback. Cheryl hurt his knee and really uh, was, was kind of done after that. But they started in the backfield. So that – can you imagine how big that is? Two knuckleheads from Portland, West End of Louisville, oh. starting in the backfield for Notre Dame. It's enormous. Well, in that, at that time, for, for, for people like you and I and then in the, and really the older, older set know 
Notre Dame's an in, impactful school now. I mean, they still, wherever they show up, I and mean, when they came here last year, it was the place went crazy when they were here in St. Matthews, and it was just they still have that impact. But back then in the 50s and 60s, uh, Notre Dame was, I mean, it was the end of all end. I mean, it was the oh, they, they were just to go so play football. Much bigger than life. Yeah, you didn't have as many good college teams back then as you did today, and they were just, well, look at, I mean, Horning won the Heisman Trophy. Most people say because he played at Notre Dame. He's the only player to win the Heisman Trophy to play on a team that had a losing record. They were 2 and eight a senior right. year. They were really good as junior year. I think they were hmm, eight two and one or eight and two as junior year. But that only happens at a school like Notre Dame. I mean, it, it, well, it only happened one time, but it wouldn't have happened at any other school but Notre Dame. Um, so he lettered in high school in football, basketball, and baseball. Recruited by Bear Bryant, decided to go to Notre Dame. The Catholic connection with Flage. Mama had a lot to do with that. Went with his high school teammate. Schnellenberger goes to Kentucky. He, he wins the, the Heisman Trophy. Again, like you said, the only player on a losing team to win the Heisman. No, and that will never happen again. No, no one will win the Heisman on a losing team ever again. That, that won't happen. So he gets to Green Bay. He was drafted number one. So let's add another one. He's the first overall pick in the 1957 draft. Yep. And, and so he, he goes to Green Bay, and this was before um, – Vince Lombardi, I can't say who the coach is, but Green Bay was a pretty average team. In fact, they were pretty bad. And Horning, whoever the coach was, was he was quarterback. They moved him a little bit to halfback, and he moved him around. And then here comes uh, Lombardi, and and in comes um, Bart Starr. And and Lombardi said, and Horning told me the story many times. He said Lombardi called me in his office and sat me down and said, "You're a halfback, and and that's what you're going to play." And I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, it's the greatest thing ever happened to me because I didn't have to worry about trying to do this, trying to do that. And, I, you know, I was pretty good at a halfback. And people that don't know it about what the Packers were like in those days, they, um, besides Starr being a really good quarterback and passer, they had uh, a great offensive line. They had another running back named Jim Taylor, and they ran the sweep where they would toss it to one of those two guys. The other guy would be the lead blocker. They'd pull the two guards. And they ran the Packers sweep, and, and you just you couldn't stop it. And Horning also threw the halfback pass off of that sweep. He threw five touchdown passes in his career off the halfback pass. They won three NFL championships. He was MVP of one of them. He he is he set the single season NFL scoring record, uh, Tony, in twelve games that stood for forty six years. That was broken in fourteen games. Wow. It's, uh, you know, I, I was not, um, it's just, it's, it's a, I know you're very close with, uh, with Paul, but I mean, for the rest of us, it's, it's, it's sort of impactful here um, on this day. It was, I, I know that he was not doing well, um, but at, at 84, and I know that he had some issues with um, um, some possible mind issues, uh, some concentration issues. There was, towards... there, there was dementia. Yeah. I mean, he was okay. diagnosed with dementia and he had been suffering from that for probably, at least four years and maybe even five years. And, and, and it kind of, you know, it, it's progressive. It got worse. Um, but he had a lot of good days. And, and the good days became fewer and far between recently. Um, okay. And I, so, you know, yeah. And, and, yeah. And it was his impact on people in Louisville. Let's move from Green Bay. So he, 
he uh, did he played for Green Bay his entire career? He he did, and he did have a real long career. He he retired after nine years. In fact, uh, the first Super Bowl, the Packers were in the first Super Bowl, and Paul was pretty much done. That he had a neck injury, and um, he didn't play. And he, the story he he tells that uh, the end, toward the end of the game, the Packers were going to win, and Lombardi came up to him and said, "Hey, you know, do you want to go in for a play?" And Horning said said to himself, "No." Nah, I'm not going to play. It'll be a better trivia question that I didn't play in that game. Rather, than I just played one, one or two snaps. So, so he doesn't play, and then they have the they have uh, an expansion team, which happened to be the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints took him as the first player in their expansion, whatever that's called, the like mm-hmm. the, the internal draft where they can yeah. take players off teams. Yeah. But uh, he never suited up, and he never played for New Orleans. But he went down there. And uh, he used to tell the story that one doctor gave him the okay, and he said he went out to California to the Scripps Medical Center and and had a physical out there, and the doctor from the Scripps said, if you have one bad hit on your neck, you will either be a a quadriplegic or a paraplegic the rest of your life. And he said that doctor at Scripps got on the phone and called the other doctor that had okayed him and just just ringed him out. But Paul... Short career, never played again. Nine years, and then he and then he went on to a career in broadcasting. Um, th- that's what I. So after the Green Bay Packers, he wraps things up. He gets drafted by the Saints. Never plays. So he goes into broadcasting. What was he like as a broadcaster? Yeah, he was a color analyst and uh, uh, on football. Although he did he did a little bit of some other sports, but mostly football. He did um, radio and TV as a color analyst. He did CBS. Uh, both college football and pro football. He did TBS, if you remember TBS from back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. He did ABC radio. He was the Minnesota Vikings, um, their radio color guy. And he uh, did a couple Super Bowls sideline on radio and, and was a pretty good announcer. And you have to be really old to remember this, Tony, but there was one year, it was 1966, that Paul Horning and Lindsey Nelson, who was the greatest announcer of his day, they would do Notre Dame games, and they would be shown tape delayed on Sunday. <laughs> and they would have a famous line in there. Lindsey Nelson would say, you know, they couldn't show the whole game. It's like they do it on the Big Ten Network where they show 60 minutes, they get the whole game in. And, and, the, and Lindsey Nelson's line would be, we moved to further action in the later series of downs, <laughs> meaning that they skipped off part that was boring, right? So, right. so he was a very good announcer. He did that for a while. And then some people will remember that he had two different TV shows here in Louisville. One was out of Chi-Chi's, and one was, um, I can't remember the location. But this is the 1980s? This is the 1980s? This is in the 80s. He's getting, one time he got Notre Dame's football coach in the middle of the week oh. to come and do the show. In the you, you, that, yeah, in anybody that's in, yeah, anybody's done sports information or uh, worked at universities or covered football, that would not happen asked, in a million years. Your coach. Right, yeah. So, no, no. Yeah, he, was a, he was a good announcer and very successful at it. He's also the author of six books, a couple of them about himself and Lombardi and a couple of them about just his, uh, you know, I think some people may know the, the golden boy image sort of followed him around. He was single for a long time and he... You know, he liked uh, to have a good time. I remember going to the 
the Heisman Trophy has their announcement ceremony every year in New York in, in uh, Times Square, and they invite all the previous Heisman winners back. And Paul would go primarily because they would make a donation to a charity in Louisville in his name to the Sister Visitor Center. And this past year, he made it to the new indoor track facility. So I would go and accompany Paul because sometimes he just needed a little help traveling as he got older. And one night he said, let's go to dinner. I want to go to this place over in in, in Italian place. Okay, so we go to this Italian place. We're riding over there in a the cab, and I say to him, so, you know, New York, you, you know, you come here a lot? Well, yeah, I used to come up here in the off season and hang out with Frank Gifford and Whitey Ford. Okay. Oh, All right. So, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, two, two, two well-known party guys, right? And I was like, so, so what was that? I said, well, what was a typical evening like like for you guys? He said, well, we would go to dinner, usually to our favorite Italian restaurant. Then we would go to the Copacabana where Frank Sinatra was, was playing, and he'd have a oh, table for no. us, a good table for us. No, And then no. we would go when Sinatra was done. Then we would go down to Harlem and listen to Count Basie. Oh, play. Stop. And then after that, oh. it's time to go to breakfast. Oh no! So it, and Tony, I would like to say I, I guess there were probably a few pretty girls along the way too. So. Oh, along the way, uh, you know, I interviewed him a couple of times, uh, mostly uh, around the times he was writing, penning these books, and he was doing you know some press for the books, and uh, he was always gracious, and he told stories and stories, and of course the stories that we wouldn't share on the air, but between the breaks were better. Uh, than the ones he would tell on the radio, uh, that's for sure. But um, obviously, for me, if you were going to ask me uh, the Mount Rushmore for Louisville, uh, you know, Ollie and Horning are non-negotiable. Would you agree? Yeah, ab- absolutely. You bet. I mean, they're up there, and he loved Louisville. He always lived in Louisville. He he lived in Chicago for a little while. He was an on-air anchor at a, at a network affiliate in Chicago. But he always lived in Louisville. He loved Louisville. He invested all of his money in Louisville, all of his real estate, where he made his money after his playing days. And when we approached him about about starting the Paul Horning Award, he he said to us, "You know, I've been approached, approached many times uh, by people about award awarding my name, and uh, I just didn't want to do it, mostly because it would be based in another city." And he said, "The fact that." The Louisville Sports Commission is doing this award, and it's in my hometown. He said, I think it's time to do it. So that was, that was incredibly important to him that the Paul Horning Award live in Louisville, Kentucky, which was his hometown. Wow. Golden boy, Paul Vernon Horning, passed away today. I, I can't think of a better guest to have on uh, to tell us uh, partly his story. We'll do this for the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, uh, for the funeral and and I'm sure at some point we will have, um, you know, we have the Ali Museum. but And I know we have a Paul Horning Museum in, in Portland. Is that, is that, uh, we have a, well, do we have something in, well, it, we have a statue? Well, it's called the Portland Museum. And okay. a lot of Paul's memorabilia is in the Portland Museum. There's okay. a statue of him uh, on the um, outfield side, outside the gate, down at street level uh, at Slugger Field. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, Pee Wee's out front. Paul Horning is in the back. That's right. Is yeah. in the back. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, there may, be some, there may be some other things we might be cooking up here in the next few weeks to okay. celebrate Paul. Okay. More to come. Well, you know, I'm totally, totally in for whatever you put together, man. A, one of our favorite sons, Paul Horning, passed away today, uh, November 13th, Friday the 13th, 
2020. Uh, Carl, uh, I love I, I love that you got to be able to come on and tell tell his story today, and I appreciate everything you do, Carl Schmidt. Appreciate it. All righty. See you, buddy.